What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with subassembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you're checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business, create content, and more importantly, be more productive. Now, when it comes to toys, we don't just relegate it to the usual action figures, Funko Pops, you know, that stuff. We like to embrace toys in a more broad sense because everyone's definition of toys is different. For every one person that collects Marvel Legends and considers it their favorite toys, you might have somebody that collects bottle caps, kitchen knives, jet skis, motorcycles. Obviously, everyone's definition of toys is different, and we embrace that here uh, wholeheartedly. And the best part about it is, is that by delving into these unique interests when it comes to toys, we get to learn a little bit more about our guests on a more personal level, and it breaks up a lot of the business talk that dominates a lot of the conversations on this podcast. With that intro out of the way, let's get into some housekeeping real quick and turn it over to this week's guest. So first and foremost, uh, we are releasing this episode shortly after Christmas. Uh, Christmas has been uh, very interesting uh, for a lot of reasons, obviously crazy Omicron stuff going on, uh, put a dent in a lot of holiday plans and a lot of things for my family. But overall, uh, the holiday season has been uh, very good. I am incredibly grateful that, you know, knock on wood, my family's been safe and everybody's been uh, healthy for the most part, minus my daughter getting some colds, which is what comes with the job when your three-year-old starts school. But other than that, you know, knock on wood, things things have been great. So I am incredibly, incredibly grateful. Uh, with regards to the holidays, I hope those of you that celebrate the Christmas holiday had a very Merry Christmas. And, um, you know, looking forward to the last episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade for 2021, which is this one that you're listening to right now. And uh, excited for 2022. We have lots of great guests. We have a couple of awesome shows debuting on the Rageworks podcast network and, you know, hopefully some some good job prospects for yours truly in the coming year. But I want to keep this short and sweet and be respectful of everyone's time, especially with the holidays. You know, uh, getting somebody to listen to a podcast during the holidays is incredibly difficult. So with that said, I want to turn it over to this week's guest, which is someone who I've been trying to sit down with for quite some time. Uh, a fellow podcaster, content creator, and just an industry veteran who has uh, some great stories and insights to share. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Let's turn it over to this week's guest. My guest this week is podcast industry veteran and content creator, Jay Soderberg. We're going to break down not only his start in the industry, but the gadgets and gear he uses to create his content and a lot more. Jay, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, Rich. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. I have, I've been trying to get you on for quite some time. I'm glad that we got to sit down right before the holiday season to chop it up. And I want to start off with your, your origin story, so to speak, and how you got your start in podcasting. So let's start there. Uh, it 
it's a tale as old as time, I feel. Uh, I, I was one of those guys that happened to be at the right place at the right time. I was working at ESPN Radio, and I was doing production there. Uh, I had been a producer or associate producer on a number of different on-air shows. And uh, there was just one day back in, I think it was 2004. It may have been 2005, but whatever. It was at the beginning of time in regards to podcasting and the boss said, uh, we need to do this thing called podcasting. And I looked at him and went, what's a podcast. And his response, I kid you not was, uh, we don't know either, but you're going to find out. (laughs) Uh, and so I found out, you know, I went, uh, I did my research. I, I was listening to a lot of Adam Curry and, um, and twit, uh, as those were the two biggest, uh, stars at the time. Uh, I mean, there was no one at that particular point in time. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I got it pretty quickly. I was like, you mean I can, and being at ESPN, I was like, you mean I can have my football without the baseball? I don't have to sit through basketball to get to the football scores. I can just do a football show. Um, and that was it. Um, I became pod Vader dubbed. So by the fantasy focus crew and, uh, rest is history from there what was what was the early goings like for you especially as the space was really starting to take shape back in 2000 and i ask because i remember when i started in 2006 people were like oh it's just an ipod thing it's a passing fad and here we are now in 2021 with going into 2022 in a multi-million dollar uh space depending on on the creator you're talking about how how has your perception on the industry changed, especially back then to now? To me, um, you know, a lot of people used to talk to me. Um, you know, I had such an advantage because I was at a multi-million dollar corporation, billion dollar corporation at ESPN. And so I didn't, you know, make my bones, so to speak, uh, you know, from a grassroots standpoint. I did move to blog talk radio. Uh, it was 2008. Man, I don't remember when, when I started at blog talk radio, but in any case, uh, I did leave and go to blog talk radio, which wasn't a startup, but when I was joining, it was a start over. Uh, there was definitely an opinion about blog talk radio that had evolved, that it was not a very, um, nice place for content creators. And so I was brought in along with uh, the general manager, the general architect at the time, Andy Toe, to really recreate what that business was. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of it too, uh, considering they got bought out by Spreaker, which became Vox Nest, which then got bought out by iHeart. So (laughs) I think what we ended up uh, doing there uh, ended up working out quite well. But to me, it was the simple fact remains the same. You can have a billion dollars and create a podcast that is trash compared to someone who has a few bucks. They've got an I, you know, a, a, a microphone that they can connect to their laptop. They've got Skype or whatever online connection tool that they're using and make a much better product. Uh, for way less money. And it's just about the passion, the connection to your audience, 
and the way that you go about building your community. I think that that's one of the things that has evolved so much. I mean, going back, going backtracking a second to Block Talk Radio at the time, I remember when I signed up for it because uh, I, when I was podcasting, I was like everyone else, you know, USB headset microphone recording into the void, hoping for the best. And the problem back then is it's not like now where people can connect with you on multi multiple social media platforms, different things. So you're kind of just speaking into the void and seeing what sticks. Block Talk Radio created something very unique and not a, not too many, not enough people give it credit that it allowed people to get that terrestrial radio, uh, Howard Stern call in dynamic that sometimes people need in order for shows to thrive. Obviously, now there's so many workarounds and so many things, especially uh, in light of, of, of COVID that allowed people to connect on a grander scale. Do you feel that 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 particular platform didn't get enough uh enough kudos from the industry for doing that i think what blog talk radio had was very unique uh and when it started uh, you know it was originally intended the the founder of blog talk radio originally just created it so that he could connect with his family over the internet instead of using a telephone or or anything else uh and from there it was technology that could be expanded and as you mentioned you could do a live radio show on the internet uh with callers uh and it was very easy to do um from there you know when andy toe came on board and when i came on board we had the task of taking a platform that had made it very easy for people to make live shows and convince them that podcasting the download was really where they wanted to focus their strengths. And of course, building it into a business, bringing on board uh, dynamic ad insertion. Uh, we were one of the first companies, I don't want to say we were the first, but we we're definitely one of the first to really embrace dynamic ad insertion, which has swept the podcasting industry at this point um, and really utilizing it at scale so that podcasters of any size could monetize their show with advertising using the tools that we were providing. So that was, you know, there's a lot of things that happened in the early days of blog talk radio. And then even in the later days of blog talk radio, that have really set the foundation for the industry as a whole um, to where the industry is right now. Uh, and that is where billion dollar corporations have come in, sort of taken over the technology aspects of, of the business, if you will. I know there's still some grassroots stuff going on. Adam Curry has podcasting 2.0 and is trying to keep podcasting as open as he possibly can. But let's face it, at this point, podcasting is a multi, multi-million and soon to be billion dollar industry. Uh, and those corporations aren't going to let go of that money. No, definitely not. There's, there's, there's so much now. I feel like every week, you know, we get, I, we, I get, a few different podcast newsletters. And I feel like every week it's, Oh, so-and-so is gobbling up such and such company. So-and-so is picking up uh X, Y, Z hope podcast hosting company. And I understand that people are really just trying to, like you said, grab pieces to build their podcast arm. And while it's great because it's opening the door for, for really good creators to get platforms. I also feel that in a way it's mainstreaming it, making it seem that the barrier of entry 
is a lot easier than it should be. Meaning everybody comes in with delusions of being the next Joe Rogan instead of just being the, the, the next, you know, themselves and creating unique content. Do you feel that that's become something uh, more prevalent over the last few years that you've been in the industry? Oh, absolutely. And it, and it's not just with, you know, your everyday, you know, next door neighbor. It's also with the famous people that will come in and think they can be the next Joe Rogan. Oh. Uh, you know, it really comes down to this uh, when it comes to creating a podcast that is going to be successful. One, be realistic. Um, if you are the next door neighbor, the likelihood that you'll become the next Joe Rogan very, very slim. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but the likelihood of the, of that happening is extremely, extremely thin. That doesn't mean that you can't be successful. Give yourself a realistic goal. Be real with yourself and with your reach and understand the limitations that, that face you. You know, if you are the next door neighbor that's looking to become the next Joe Rogan, well, what are the things that you need to do that? Well, you need to have access to a ginormous audience. And I mean, we're talking about Joe Rogan. He's the number one podcaster in all the land. So you need to have access to the entire universe of audience. Now, depending on which study you're going to read or, or what you're going to listen to, that's millions and millions of people. Yep. How are you going to get access to them? Well, you're going to need to have a budget uh, and you're going to have to have a huge budget with deep pockets to reach that many people. Uh, Advertising is not cheap. Uh, yes, there are cheap options, but again, you're going to ultimately get what you pay for. So if you want to start building an audience, I'm not saying that you don't put money into advertising, but understand the limitations of what that money is going to do and how you're going to build your audience and understand that it is going to be a slow process. There is no quick overnight fix. If there was, uh, Rich, to be blunt, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> be up on a mountain, enjoying my time away from humans, and uh, just kicking back and relaxing with all my monies. No, but, I think uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm glad that you summed it up in a in a very blunt sense. And the reason I say this is because I think that because people see all of these different successes, all of these different deals, people forget that podcasting still, even now has a lot of not misinformation, but just a lot of conflicting information, meaning that mm -hmm. there's still entities that are still viewing this and, and, and addressing it. Like if it were terrestrial radio, and I want to backtrack a bit to your, your time with ESPN, was that one of the, uh, one of those initial hurdles with regards to growth for, for ESPN at the time, like looking at this as a completely new animal versus uh, repurposing the terrestrial radio approach. So there were, there were a couple of things there. Now I obviously dealt a lot with original content. Uh, so we had two different, we had a two pronged plan when it came to podcasts because ESPN definitely has repurposed radio content, but we were putting together original content as well, including Bill Simmons, who has now gone off to create the ringer. Uh, the Fantasy Focus podcast, which still exists and has evolved into a whole online entity of its own. Um, and of course, a podcast for every sport uh, and just put today at the end of it. <laughs> and that was a podcast. 
Uh, but that was also the battle uh, internally, uh, trying to explain to to other people that came from a broadcast background, you don't need to have this story highlighted as much as you think in this podcast because one people aren't get it everywhere else you're doing you're doing the michael vick story <laughs> every five minutes everywhere we don't need to focus on michael vick in this podcast if we are going to focus on michael vick we're going to go way deep we're in a, we want somebody that's on the inside that's going to give us stuff that you're not featuring in the five minutes that you're doing it every five minutes uh that was always the battle to to get people to understand podcasting was something that was deeper that allowed you to have a conversation that doesn't get interrupted by a commercial. You don't have to feed commercials. You don't have to feed uh, the beast, so to speak, and uh, make sure that, you know, we hit a a reset every 10 seconds uh, to let people know what it was that they're listening to. Uh, People knew they were searching it out, especially in the early days. And I think to bring it back to today, understanding that it is hard work to make a podcast. It's not something that you can just turn a microphone on, create the content, and they will come. Oh, no. It's more than that. You have to have a passion for what it is that you're talking about. You have to display that passion wherever you're talking about it. And you have to shout it from the rooftops at every opportunity that you have so that you can continue to build a community that's going to come into it. You know, I was once quoted at a podcast conference saying, focus on your clubhouse. Make sure your clubhouse is as badass as it possibly can be. And then people will have no choice but to want to be knocking on your door to join your clubhouse. Uh, And that's really what it all comes down to. Now, for you, especially with with your, your background, when you started, how I want to kind of talk through what were you, what was the setup like back then to create podcasts when you were initially starting out? Like, what was your, what was your equipment? What was your equipment consisting of back then versus how you approach podcasting now? What's changed? What, what do you still embrace and currently use? So if, if I were to, if, if I'm going to be honest at ESPN, that is definitely where I was fortunate because I had broadcast. I had a broadcast studio, so I had access to ISDN lines. I had uh, a, a full studio set up uh, with mixing board, computers, etc. Uh, that made the job super easy. When I left uh, and was using Blog Talk Radio and was working at Blog Talk Radio, Blog Talk Radio made that connection uh, fairly easy with just a laptop a microphone uh, and you know, any software that you can find available on the web uh, for digital editing or, uh, or even processing for that matter. Uh, To that point, I don't think there has been that much of an evolution other than the products that are available are that much better. Uh, You know, Skype has definitely gotten better from the early days where it is now. Uh, there's, there's services like riverside.fm, uh, which makes, uh, the video aspect, uh, a lot of people getting involved in video, uh, that makes things a lot easier these days. Uh, and you know, the choices that you have, I mean, I just mentioned Skype and Riverside, but there's Squadcast, there's, uh, Blue Jeans, there's 
Zoom if you want to. Uh, there's plenty of different connections that you can use online and they vary in price and some are even free. I still use uberconference.com for my connections with people. Uh, I'm not an audiophile, so I don't require my recordings to come in separate tracks. Uh, And Uber Conference gives me one high quality MP3 that I can use uh, however I need to. And uh, assuming that the person I'm speaking with has a strong internet connection and they connect me via that, um, you know, I'm good to go. Uh, I still use, you know, depending uh, on which computer I'm using, I'll either use uh, the original version of Cool Edit because I've always believed that uh, what you learn on is what you end up loving. And yep. I learned how to do digital editing on Cool Edit. Uh, and I hated it when Adobe bought them out, <laughs> but uh, I I can use Adobe Edition as well, um, and I and I tend to use those two programs for my digital editing, and all my processing. Uh, both programs I think provide the right amount of processing, uh, or, or has the right tools to provide the processing I need to make a good quality sounding uh, file that can be distributed as a podcast. What's your what's your editing like how, versus when you first started? Are you more hyper focused now, like picking up uh, crutch words, ums, things like that? Or do you try to keep it more natural, more organic? I know you were talking about a focus on real free flowing conversation before. I'm more of a natural guy. I'll, I'll pick up some ums, especially when um, I do something <laughs> like that. Yep. You know, those those are easy ums to pick up. But if there's a an occasional um, I'm okay with that. Uh, I am a little bit more hyper-focused when I do the recording. I'm taking notes during my recording, marking down when I hear something that I think is going to be edited. And then the trick that I still think people are amazed at uh, that they haven't realized is when you're taking down time codes and then you go to do your edits, do the edits backwards so you don't screw up your time codes. (laughs) You don't have to keep doing math to fix the time codes. I think there's a lot of people that still take down time codes and then they edit from front to back instead of back to front. Um, and it always amazes me that people haven't figured that out. It's like, no, make sure you do your edits backwards uh, when you're taking down time codes. I definitely agree. I mean, you know, you mentioned so many great services, so many different things. And, and I feel like that's something that has really ushered in this increase, especially in, in light of the pandemic where people were home and really focused on creating so many services made so much of this accessible. I remember, uh, you know, in the early goings, like trying to get Skype to work and trying to get all the services in line to, to do something was always a challenge. And to your point now, there are so many services that have stepped up and there's also been such a massive increase in video podcasting. I know that some people are kind of torn with regards to that. Are you, do you believe that there's a place for video podcasting, meaning that, that there can be a, a content space that is completely independent of the audio podcasting format? I will. So the way that you just phrased that question, I think is super important and, and sort of where my concern lies, because I think a lot of people are getting involved in video podcasting and the way that the information it has been disseminated 
is that well if i'm not on youtube then i don't have a podcast or i don't have a uh, i don't have a chance to grow my podcast and misunderstanding that that doesn't mean you have to have video on youtube youtube is a giant search engine for sure uh and there's clearly things about the algorithm on youtube that is going to help your podcast get discovered by more audience than if it's out in the internet all by itself but at the end of the day understand that there's a reason why podcasting has touched so many people and there's a reason why audio is the means of providing uh that message and that's because you can't watch a video everywhere you go right and i'm not gonna buy people go onto youtube and they click on a video and then they put their phone away and they just listen <laughs> to the video they're no no no, no, no. I, i'm not buying that whatsoever and quite honestly I think there needs to be a bigger dive into the analytics provided from YouTube because you're not going to tell me that 5 billion people clicked on a video and all 5 billion watched 30 minutes of that video. There's no way in the world that happens. I agree. I think it, and and it's good we're, we're kind of digging into that because I remember one of the challenges when I was doing a podcast and I still do it now. I put the audio file with a stationary image on YouTube. And the reason I did it was because a lot of the audience back then used to say, Hey, your website is blocked at work or, you know, we can't have certain things playing, but YouTube is allowed. So I'd be able to have just the, the podcast on YouTube and people were able to do that just because it wasn't locked down by work. And I still do it because like you said, it's still a great search engine, but I don't go out of my way to record podcast video like I used to do back when I was uh, hosting the show on blog talk radio. It's a completely different dynamic. Now I just do it because it's just a matter of convenience, but I don't want to be to your point tethered to that because at the end of the day, you, you the, the main focus is being able to consume audio anywhere. You're not going to be able to stream a YouTube video while you're driving to work. No. And, and just to be clear, I'm not against video podcasts either. I think that there's value there too. You know, it, there clearly is. People wouldn't be putting radio shows on television uh, over the past few years. That explosion that seems to continue. You know, there's a reason why that's happening. People clearly want to watch uh, those types of shows. But at the end of the day, don't forget the audio. The audio should be your priority. The video is sort of secondary. It's sort of a gift, if you will, to your audience. And as we've mentioned, there are plenty of services that make it very easy to create those videos, but also to take the audio portion of those videos to make into your audio only podcast for distribution everywhere. All right. Now, before we move into um, what we like to call the hot seat, I did want to ask in terms of the industry, what has been something that has changed in your opinion, in your thought process? about the industry like how do you feel about the industry now versus say a year or two years ago what opinion has changed about the podcasting industry for you personally my opinion really hasn't changed as much as it's been strengthened um you know obviously people have been talking about the death of radio for a very long time and i certainly thought back when i was first introduced to podcasting that this was going to be the death of radio I don't think radio is necessarily going away anytime soon, but I am encouraged by the amount of money that's being spent in podcasting, 
the services that we've continuously mentioned, uh, improving their products for podcasters, the number of companies that are getting involved in podcasting. Podcasting is definitely going to become a major media uh, that will overcome radio at some point. I just believe the on-demand nature and culture that is developing in the world these days, podcasting will become the audio uh, feature of choice over radio at some point. And really, I think the tipping point that we're waiting for is figuring out the legalities of commercially licensed music and how can we make that available in a podcast. Right now, the amount of money that it would take to make that available is beyond ridiculous. Not even the biggest and deepest of pockets of companies uh, want to tread in that particular field. Uh, but as soon as we make that something that is commercially viable, uh, that will be the tipping point that we're all waiting for. Yeah, I I, I can agree with you. I think that is, especially now when I, I'd like to say we've become an a la carte culture, if you, uh, especially because mm. you get you get cable, you get 800 channels out of the 800. You only watch 10 of them and you're like, wow, do I really want to pay for this 790 other channels? And I think that podcasting fills that void so well, especially when compared to radio, because it, like you said, you have ad breaks and resets and all those things that kind of detract from what you're trying to listen to. Like drive time radio used to be one of the highlights of my day, especially when I was on a constant commute. And over time, I just got tired of the, the recycling of the bits or the, the, the overuse of ad reads and sponsors like it just took away so much from what i was trying to get that when podcasting really took hold i had a, a podcast for for every interest i had that i could just play at the drop of a hat and it was it was very liberating and i think more and more people are embracing it that same way now do you feel that spotify has helped lead that forward because it's such an easily accessible medium versus say a, a traditional podcasting app um, it would be, it would be wrong of me to say that it hasn't, um, it's clearly made, it's clearly made an impact, uh, for people that weren't going to get into podcasting before Apple's still number one. Uh, most people are still listening to podcasts via Apple and via the Apple podcast app. Uh, there's research that's showing that more and more people say that Spotify is their number one app of choice. I think Spotify just makes it easier for people with whatever type of phone they have uh, to access their podcasts. Uh, and I think that's really the difference. If Apple were to make their podcast app available on an Android device, uh, I think Apple might still be the king because most people still equate Apple as being podcasts. Yep. Spotify says that they are podcasts, but people don't equate Spotify with podcasts yet. Yeah, I think I think I remember, especially in the early goings, one of the one of the things I heard the most was, you know, podcast iPod was just mm -hmm. it, it just, you know, it was synonymous. It was something that that was easily, easily mentioned. So I think um, that argument definitely holds weight. Now, do you see that happening? Do you see Apple pulling that trigger and and putting it and putting that uh that stamp on their app and using it on on something like Android. 
Well, I see many people who are much smarter than me in this industry mentioning that. Uh, people like James Cridlin continually predicting that that's going to happen. To me, it just makes sense. Um, you know, I'm a guy that looks at things that make logical common sense. And to me, that just makes logical common sense. Uh, so why Apple has delayed doing this, I don't know. I don't know what their business model is currently for podcasting. But now that they're in the subscription business, my guess is they now have a monetary reason to get behind it and making their subscriptions available on an Android device just makes logical common sense. Gotcha. Well, that's a, a good segue into into our hot seat segment, which is a series of rapid fire questions based on some of the stuff we talk about industry and just a few other things as well. So uh, first and foremost, what are three mobile apps you cannot live without? Three mobile apps that I can't live without. Well, we mentioned two of them, Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh Third, let me look at my phone right now and see which one that I go to the most. Um, does Outlook count? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. I mean, you know, my my, uh, my wife started receiving work emails on her phone, and now Outlook. She get I hear more dings for Outlook on a daily basis than any other notification in my house. Oh, here's the trick to that. You can't you can't have the notification on. I agree. You gotta you gotta keep it off. But then when you notice that the counter is, you know, <laughs> has moved from, you know, six thousand six hundred seventy-two <laughs> to six thousand seven hundred, then you know, oh, I better check what's going on on my email. There you go. I know you had mentioned um your your preference about editing with cool edit or audition. Do you do you feel that um both of those are, t- are what I'm saying. Let me rephrase that. Do you feel that those two softwares versus like Audacity and everything else are battle tested? Or is it one of those things where once you learn one, you can kind of interchange skills towards other ones? Meaning like if you go from uh, Audition to Audacity to, let's say, Hindenburg Journalist, do you feel that there's commonalities between them to make that adjustment? There are commonalities among any digital audio workstation. Uh, I'm always, I've always been one that you end up loving what you learn on. Uh, and because you're going to become most comfortable with that, with that particular program, you're going to know the ins and outs of it. Uh, I've had Hindenburg. And by the way, I shout from the rooftops how awesome Hindenburg is as a digital audio editor. Oh, yeah. If you, if you've never edited audio ever and you, or you're looking for something to start on, Start with Hindenburg. It's awesome, and you'll thank me for it later because, quite frankly, it's it's fantastic. The reason why I haven't switched my editing to Hindenburg isn't because I don't think it's awesome. I love it. It's because I know that my learning curve to transform everything <laughs> that I've learned on all the other uh, digital editing software to make to to get my speed back up to where it's going to be. It's going to take me a little bit. There is definitely a curve when you switch from one program to another. The basics are all obviously still the same. It's just a matter of of learning and feeling that program so that you feel like you're one with the program when you're editing the audio. So that's the only reason why I haven't committed to making the switch is because I just don't want to take that two steps back to get ahead of the game. Gotcha. 
what's one website you recommend to people often? Um, well, I mentioned uberconference.com earlier. Uh, I love the fact that not a lot of people use it. So uh, I don't have to worry too much about my audio getting screwed up uh, because that's quite frankly, what ends up happening with a lot of the popular uh, software that's out there. Any of the other places that provide uh, a recording of your online audio reason oftentimes why your recordings are getting screwed up is because there's too much bandwidth to their service. And the more and more people that end up using that particular service, the more and more likely it is that your audio is going to come out kablooey. Uh, so the fact that not a lot of people use uberconference.com for their podcasts makes it the perfect place to do it. Your recordings. Nice. What was the last book you read? I don't read. Sorry. Really? I really don't. I don't. It's, you know, I, I listen. I obviously listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of television, probably too much television. <laughs> um, but I'm not big into reading. If I'm reading anything, it's, you know, it's sports articles uh, online. There you go. Uh, well, you know what? That takes me into, into another question. What was the last TV show you watched? I watched... Uh, not counting Monday Night Football, <laughs> I watched uh, the last, uh, the latest episode of Hawkeye. Uh, not the finale, but the one right before the finale uh, with my son. What'd you think? Uh, I love it. I, all the Marvel shows, all the things that they're doing on that Disney Plus app are phenomenal. And uh, we are counting down the days for the Book of Boba Fett. And we are also counting down the days for Cobra Kai, which... You know, that's been the biggest thrill for me as a father is uh, embracing some of this content uh, with my son uh, who wasn't introduced to the original content. Yep. And now uh, and and now there's a new generation being born and uh, getting to share some of that uh, and the thrill of discovering that content that like touched you. I mean, I I go by Pod Vader. So, you know, when it was first introduced to me, it was meant as a joke. But I mean, I was a big Star Wars fan anyway. So I was like, go ahead and call me Pod Vader. I'm a badass dark Sith Lord. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, you know, as a, as a father myself, you know, my daughter is three. I think that that's made me appreciate so much of the stuff I grew up with. Um, you know, we got to build like our first Voltron together. Like I had some some uh, they reissued like a lot of the Voltron stuff and I bought it and I had it all in package. And I was like, yeah. Let me open it. What the hell? <laughs> and, and let's build it. And it was, she was so into it. And then she wanted to watch the cartoons. And I think that that's something that to, to your point, I can, I can definitely get behind, especially if, if you're passionate about like Star Wars and all this stuff. And obviously there are people that, that they don't like the quote unquote changes. And I try to tell them like, listen, it's not for you anymore. It is and it isn't like Boba Fett. People forget it. It's funny. I'm like, Boba Fett is has this this mystique of being this badass dude. He died in like three seconds, right? You know, and now all of a sudden they're making him this badass dude, and 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 a new generation of Star Wars fans are going to become a fan of his character strictly off of the show, not knowing that he fell into this sand pit and has been there forever. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be the hardest point for them when they are introduced to Boba Fett through the show. Yep. And then they go back and they watch the movies and they're like. <laughs> 
what is wrong with him? Yep. Why is he so terrible? Yep. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing how that uh how that all 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 ties together, especially now, like when they were gonna bring him back and people started like really going crazy for it. And I was like, listen, man, you forget this guy got this guy essentially died by accident. <laughs> it's uh it's crazy um what was something you purchased recently that was less than a hundred dollars that made your life easier or more enjoyable oh boy um not counting the candy bars uh that <laughs> i eat too many of um what was a device that was less than a hundred dollars that has made my life more enjoyable yeah anything anything that you purchased Oh man, that's a, that's a difficult question. Uh, there's not a lot of things you can buy these days for less than a hundred dollars. There really um, is not. It's amazing how many people sometimes are like, ah, I'm a little stuck. Well, I, I can tell you this. I'm still old school in that I still use pen and paper nice. to write notes. Uh, so, uh, oftentimes, especially this time of year, uh, I'm getting discount notebooks. Uh, from all the stationery stores mm-hmm. uh, so that I can keep all my notes uh, when I'm writing out, running out notes. I'm still, uh, you know, I still haven't figured out how to take notes while I'm on a zoom call uh, via a Google doc. Like, no, nope, can't do it. I mean, do it. you want to laugh. I, I, you know, I have an iPad pro and I still, I write with the pencil in the notes app on the iPad <laughs> pro. So, so I'm like, Oh, I got, you know, my, my wife is like, look, you have a, a thousand dollar piece of paper <laughs> on your desk that you're writing on. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but obviously besides your, your, your phone, your computer, everything else, do you have another favorite piece of technology you like to use in your day to day? People will often curse about their earbuds, but quite frankly, earbuds have changed my life. Um, I just find that they're so much portable. Now, my one problem with them is they die way too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by die way too quickly, I mean, I'm listening to podcasts almost all day long. So I know when I get to that three hour mark, uh, listening to uh, No Agenda with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, that those earbuds are going to be on their last leg at the end of the podcast. And then I got to put them back in the in the pod and recharge them. And that's a pain in the butt. But honestly, like if if my wife hadn't bought me earbuds, uh, I think she bought them for me last year. Uh, I don't know where I'd be without them. There you go. I know, you know, we've talked about tech, you know, uh, you mentioned you're a Star Wars fan. You know, got to got to talk some toys. Um, what was your favorite toy or collectible from your childhood? Oh, I had the AT-AT. Oh, man, that thing. And I still have it. I wish it was in uh, mint condition. Unfortunately, I put that thing through the ringer as a kid. <laughs> I beat <laughs> nice. the heck out of that thing. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was definitely one of my favorites. Stomping on all my uh, Star Wars figures. I wish I still had all my Star Wars figures. I only have a few. Um, still worth yeah. money though. Can't can't knock it. Well, they're they're in the attic in a box somewhere. Do you share any hobbies with your kids? Uh, yeah, my daughter really likes artwork, so I'll uh, I'll draw and paint with her from time to time. Uh, my son uh, is big into sports, just like me, uh, and so I coached his football team uh, for a while, and uh, we 
still make time every weekend to sit down and watch the Patriots on Sundays. Um, so yeah, I spend tons of time with my kids. I mean, quite honestly, who am I going to spend a lot of time with anyway? Yeah, I know it's a, it's, but, but I also feel that, and it's funny you, you phrase it that way. I feel that a lot of people have gotten closer with their kids because obviously when you're working and school and everything else, there's, there, there is a bit of a disconnect. I mean, that's one of the things I've enjoyed. Like, even though I hadn't, I haven't been working, I've enjoyed the fact that I can pick my daughter up from school and make her a snack and we can watch Justice League together and, you know, hear about her day and all this stuff versus, oh, somebody will pick her up from school. I'll get home at five, six o'clock and then got to decompress, et cetera. So I feel to some extent, like, again, not, not, not the best of times with a lot of things, but in terms of family and togetherness, I feel that some people have benefited greatly. Yeah, I think, you know, if there is a uh, a silver lining to COVID, and God knows there aren't very many of them, uh, that is definitely one. The the closer the closer knit family uh, is definitely something that uh, I I embrace and um, will probably always embrace. And as my son is in his senior year of high school and he's getting ready for college, and my wife cries already, oh, knowing that he's leaving the house. Um, you know, it's also, I'm also at that aspect of my life where it's like, holy crap, I've already raised two adults. I'm old. Yeah. The, the, those are some sobering realities. I, I say to a friend of mine, Hey, we're in the age now where we get phone calls of like, which sounds grim, but it's like, like we get phone calls about like friends actually like passing away, like from mm. things. It's not like, oh, a friend had an accident. He passed away. And like now it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so got sick. And he, and it's just, it's crazy because it becomes more frequent. And then you start kind of looking at your own mortality, which is, which is so weird. It really is. It really is. I just want to go back to the, uh, to the fantasy world of the book of Boba Fett. That's it. Simpler, <laughs> simpler times and simpler passions. Exactly. What's a non-negotiable for you when it comes to business? Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in honesty. Um, and I always tend to sometimes to my detriment play with my cards wide open. And, uh, when I feel like you're holding back when you're not being a hundred percent truthful with me, or, or I find out that you haven't been a hundred percent truthful from, with me, um, that's, that definitely ends up being a, a blocker. Uh, I won't, uh, I won't continue to deal with you. It's like, okay, you fooled me once, uh, that's shame on me and it will never happen again. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Where, where do you see the podcasting industry a year from now? Richer. Um, there's a lot more ad dollars coming in. As I mentioned before, the embracement of dynamic ad insertion is really gone, you know, back when I was first pitching it, uh, with blog talk radio, uh, there weren't a lot of, there was a lot of fervor against it. Uh, now I feel like the pendulum has swung in the complete opposite direction. Uh, and with dynamic ad insertion, uh, there's a lot more money that will, uh, be spread out in, in this space. So, uh, I see the industry continuing to grow and, uh, continuing to get richer. 
Nice. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, two last questions. What did you want to be when you were a kid? <laughs> uh, I thought uh, when I was going to college, I was going to become a lawyer and uh, save the world from all the nasty, nasty people out there. And uh, when I went to my first uh, college class uh, on law and the professor grabbed, you know, a book the size of an encyclopedia and put it on his desk and went, this is full of a lot of the constitutional laws uh, that uh, have been passed since the early 1800s. You will all have to memorize this book if you want to be a successful lawyer. And I went, yeah, that's not me. (laughs) <laughs> let me go let me go do some radio <laughs> so yeah i always um i thought i was going to be a lawyer and then i thought it was going to be uh some big shot radio star and um it's funny how neither of those two things worked out but at the end of the day the position i'm in now it's sort of a combination of both so now one thing one thing with that to to bring things full circle is you know before we wrap things up we use we call it reach one teach one it's a nice way to give our listeners some actionable content um you know you said about you wanted to be a lawyer and you wanted to you know be a a radio star and now you've mixed them both what's a, a piece of advice you'd give to uh young podcast starters uh kids coming out of high school that want to start What's a, a piece of actionable advice you'd give them if they were getting the podcast itch? You don't need to go to school um, to do this for a living. You you just need to sit down and get the reps in and uh, listen to podcasts like these. Watch YouTube videos that cover some of the same topics. But if you do go to school, make sure that you're not only taking audio courses, but you're also taking video courses. And then the biggest thing I would say, especially as a podcaster is make sure you're taking some marketing courses. Uh, That seems to be the one aspect, you know, a lot of people can turn on a microphone and talk and they can be very successful at it, but they don't know how to sell that to someone. Uh, So make sure you're, you're doing your due diligence and not only focusing on the content creation, how do you market that creation once it's done? Outstanding. That is a great way to wrap things up. Jay, thank you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. And of course, happy holidays to you and your family. Same to you, Rich. Thanks for having me on. I hope you folks enjoyed my conversation with Jay. Jay is just an amazing, amazing human being, a great content creator. Um, an amazing, amazing force in the podcasting space. Uh, somebody who's been in the trenches from the early goings and continues to bring value to the space now, whether it's uh, helping brands to grow their podcast presence or bringing his podcast experience to the forefront and paying it forward in all of the different communities that he's a part of. Jay is an A plus human being, and I'm very, very glad that I got to chop it up with him, especially for our last episode of 2021. With that said, all of the stuff that we discussed in this week's episode will be in the show notes. As always, some of those items may contain affiliate links, which if you click 
will receive a small commission, which goes towards making this podcast and everything that comes to you from RageWorks better. Uh, whether it's a better experience on our website, better videos on our YouTube channel, or just better audio from our podcast, whether it's my own or some of the podcasts on the RageWorks Podcast Network, those affiliate dollars go right back into the business. So using those links really does help us out. And most importantly, it's at no additional cost for you. Of course, we'll make sure to include links to connect with Jay and keep up with all of Jay's work in the show notes as well. Last but not least, if you want to keep up with RageWorks, you can find us on your favorite social media platforms. And if you want to get RageWorks updates in your inbox, make sure to sign up for the RageWorks newsletter. Uh, We try to send something out once a week or every two weeks, nothing spammy, just to keep you up to date with everything RageWorks, whether it's contests, which we did quite a few of them uh, this past holiday season, and even some stuff that we're going to do at the beginning of the year. If you are a newsletter subscriber, you will get the updates first before it goes to social and everywhere else. So definitely, if you want to get RageWorks updates in your inbox, make sure to sign up. Uh, Links for the newsletter will be in the show notes. Last but not least, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me rich at RageWorks.net or head over to the website RageWorksNetwork.com and fill out the contact form. Let us know uh, whether it's for our show or one of the other shows on the network, and we'll be in touch to set something up for a future guest appearance. And of course, as always, if this show, when this podcast was informative and entertaining and brought you value, please take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify, which now has ratings. Uh, We would really, really appreciate it. Every little bit of social proof allows us to get bigger and better guests because obviously people go, they want to look you up, see your reviews, make sure that people actually like what you're doing. And sure, download numbers are always nice, but so are kind words as well. So again, if you enjoyed the podcast, if it delivered some value, uh, take a moment, give us a rating. If you want to write a couple of words, that would be awesome too. And I want to try and start reading those on the podcast. So if you do write something, we'll definitely uh, share it on air and who knows, maybe we'll find something in the RageWorks prize closet and send it your way. All right. This has been the last toys and tech of the trade of 2021. We will see you guys in the new year, uh, wishing you and your families a happy, prosperous and healthy new year. Hopefully 2022 will be better for all of us, regardless of our circumstances Things can always be better, and they can sure as hell be worse. Thank you guys for your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.
Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com.